Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Dr. Stan Tatkin on his new book, Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents. A two-part conversation with his co-author, Kara Hoppe, will be coming up on November 2nd and 9th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock for another episode of the podcast. So today we are going to be speaking with someone who has actually been on the podcast before, and that is Stan Tatkin. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him first. He's a teacher, a clinician, researcher, and developer of PACT, which is an acronym for Psychobiological Approach to Couples Therapy. When he was on the podcast before, he was one of our highest downloads. So he is a very popular person with folks who listen to the podcast. He's an expert on human behavior and couple relationships, and he speaks and teaches around the world on what he calls secure functioning relationships, how to understand them, how to create them, and how to support them. Previously, when Stan was on, he was talking about some of his books that relate attachment theory to couples work. Today, he's going to be talking about a new book that he wrote with Kara Hoppy, and the name of it is Baby Bomb, which is quite an interesting name. We'll have to talk with him about the choice of that title. So stay tuned. Dr. Tatkin is going to be joining us in just a minute to talk about his new book, Baby Bomb which is about the impact of having a child on the couple relationship. So hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory and Action podcast. As I continue my discussion about the book Baby Bomb, uh, one of Stan Tatkin's newest books among the many he's written, we'll mention all of them at the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for coming back to continue this conversation, Dr. Tatkin. Thanks again, Karen. Yes. So something that I've been thinking about even in reflecting on what we we talked about previously, of course, you shared the different attachment classifications and, and some of your wonderful, more accessible uh, words for that, uh, which I love, your, your anchor, island, and wave. One of the things I've been thinking about is seeing the needs of the baby could awaken things in one member of the couple that were there before but are but but like i said awaken them trying to use the the avoid the word trigger uh but you know seeing a baby's needs seeing that level of dependency seeing a, a partner have to prioritize someone's needs all of this could really 
wake up feelings that perhaps weren't present in the same way in the couple before. That's a really big topic, but I would love to hear some of your experience with that. I know you've worked with so many couples um, and just your thoughts on that. Any case examples of that I think would be great for our listeners and then kind of how they work through that. Well, if marriage or or romantic coupling doesn't activate your childhood um, uh, uh, from the age of 12 and before, having a child certainly will. Yes. What a concise way of saying what I just was trying to say. Thank you. Um, we're, we're, you know, everything we do is by memory. We don't really operate much during the day consciously at all. Most everything we're doing is automatic, memory-based, uh, uh, through recognition systems that are lightning fast. We think we're making decisions based on on uh, on what we uh, want to do that's unique and novel. But most of the time, we're doing we're picking and choosing things that fit with our memory. And so, uh, our baby is going to trigger our memory. Watching. Our, our co-parent parent is going to trigger memories of either our parent or ourselves um, as we watch a movie, which is why it's so hard sometimes to listen to a parent uh, get angry with a child or to hear a child get angry with a parent. It's like watching a movie. We're uh, observers observing our childhood. Either we're identifying with the parent or we're identifying with the child, but either, either way, something is happening. Yes. Uh, and then we're tasked with doing things for our baby that maybe weren't done for us um, or we're having a hard time doing it because we didn't know nobody ever did it for us i don't know how to do this and so it's not there and our co-parent is reminding us or saying hey why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing it like that why aren't you holding the baby like this why do you turn the baby outward instead of inward um, well some of this has to do with uh you know our our memories that are not explicit they're implicit memories of how we were treated as infants. Mm -hmm. And so we're just doing what we know and what we know is what we've experienced. Yeah, people should know this that, this, that nature repeats itself. And so all these things are going to come up as we observe ourselves, our baby, and especially when we observe our co-parent with our baby or yes. with our, our young child. Yes, and uh, that can be uh, that can be pretty hairy at times. <laughs> yes. Can you think yeah. of any examples from your clinical work where this came into play and had to be worked through just to, to bring this alive for people? Oh, um, uh, a, uh, uh, a mother whose husband is not uh, hands on and uh, and is going away a lot and is not doing what he said or she said that they were going to do as a secondary parent, uh, reminiscent of the father or the secondary parent that abandoned the mother uh, when uh, she was a child uh, yeah. that wasn't there or the opposite um, a sad uh, uh, case of disappointment because in comparison I saw my father be really involved why aren't you um, what did I do to to my child to pick such a father um, to see uh, you know, uh, um, one parent uh, lose their temper or to talk in a certain way that is offensive to the other. Uh, we didn't talk that way in our family and I don't want, or we did talk that way in our family and I don't want our baby to be exposed to bad words, even though the baby can't understand words at that time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, mm -hmm. but our sensitivities are, um, you know, our legend, um, when it comes to our memories yes. and, and we pick somebody who is a familiar, 
right? We, we, we don't pick, we don't pair bond with uh, absolute strangers. They have to be somewhat familiar, recognizable in order for us to do that. So they're familiar, but they're still strangers. And they're strangers enough to violate some of our ideas um, of what is right and what is wrong, what is good parenting, what is bad parenting based mm -hmm. on our own culture. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if, if, um, uh, if we weren't different, then would our children benefit? Uh, if we weren't different parents, if we didn't have different ideas of how to parent, would that be a, 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 a good thing? Uh, well, you might think it, it isn't because like everything else, uh, uh, children do better when there's a variety of caregivers and there's a variety of people with different styles and so on. So they learn how to ad adapt to different personalities, different ways of being uh, rather than just one person, right? Yeah. Um, there's so many reasons why it's a good idea. The problem is collaboration and cooperation. Do the parents acknowledge and accept their differences? Do they actually focus on their vision for their child, which they would probably find they agree up and down? up and down. We want, we want the best for our child. We want them to be good citizens. We want them to be good, good human beings. We want them to be respectful, responsible, blah, blah, blah. Um, the way we go about it may be different, but we do want the same things for the child. And that's where people should focus. The other part of it is working as a team, collaboratively mm -hmm. and cooperatively, that this is not uh, nobody's an expert at this. There's no book that can be an expert on your child. Your child is different. And so it's an improvisation. Uh, it is a constant trial and error. It's a constant working out with two people, the best way to approach this or that. Uh, but instead, often it's a battle right away. Uh, the generals are fighting. And when and we worry about that, because when generals fight, soldiers die. And uh, um, and so much of this is about parents learning to uh, to work together as a team and to work on how to uh, to use their differences as a feature, not a bug. In fact, and you may know who this is since you specialize in couples work, but um, there is some research suggesting that the working on the marital relationship can lead to more behavioral improvement in children with behavior problems than like sending the child to therapy. Uh, I, this is one of the reasons I got into couples. Yes. Uh, before this, I was, I was interested in prevention work. Um, mm -hmm. I was a fan and you may know, uh, Karen, of the watch, wait and wonder program. Yes. In Toronto. Okay. Yeah, I was a big fan. And I thought, okay, I'm going to set up video cameras. I'm going to work with, you know, early, early, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, young children, uh, uh, infants and their uh, caregivers and work with them working with the baby not working with the baby or the child, working with the parents, putting them under stress uh, with the child and see how they do um, and coaching the parents. Um, and so I, that's why I went into couples, frankly, as uh, um, th there were not a lot of people uh, wanting to come in in our <laughs> culture uh, to do this work unless they really had to. Um, and so I found there was just no audience for this kind of prevention work. Um, but with couples, change the couple, the kids change. And if they're young, they change rapidly. Yes. Yes. So something 
that came across very strongly in the book and obviously is also in our conversation is needing to prioritize the couple relationship. A lot of the book I felt like was saying, oh, well, you know, this is similar to things in Wired for Love that you're really suggesting the couple being there for each other and, you know, being on the same team together and supporting each other. On the other hand, there's this message in the culture that you know, the, the, the children need to come first and, you know, make sure that the children matter. And, you know, and it, it seems it, I don't know. Then there's others who are saying we've gone too far with this. We're, we're raising narcissists. We've made our whole, you know, our whole family life is geared around these children. So we've gone, you know, here's, I read one article that said children um, in the 1800s where were a financial asset for work it wasn't about of course you had a relationship with and you love them but that was not the incentive or that was not what was prioritized um now it's gone almost completely of of course you know i'm not suggesting we should go back to that but it seems like it's gone almost completely the other direction (laughs) of the article said now not only are they a financial asset you know they're draining our finances and everything is about the child so what do you see about this do you agree this pendulum has swung and how do you think your message in this book to prioritize the couple relationship as well as parenting tell me some of your thoughts about all that the, the, the two the two examples unfortunately miss the point um the point isn't to use your kids as chattel the point isn't to have uh, an adult-centric society where kids are seen but not heard yes, uh, yes. that's not the idea no the no. idea here is strictly structural that there must be a hierarchy um, uh, the parents are the roof of the house. Uh, they're the leaders. They're the generals. They're the executives. They are the teachers. Um, they are the exemplars yes. for how uh, how this petri dish uh, called a family is is preparing children for the the world, right? The social yes. emotional world. That's the task here. If the parents are a bad model of of how to do relationships, that's what the kids are going to learn. Mm-hmm. If the parents are a terrible model of how to treat the uh, uh, the opposite sex or gender issues, then the kids are going to learn that. Uh, if the parents um, are not getting along, the kids cannot be stable. They cannot be happy. So this is simply strategic and it's simply uh, hierarchical and structural. The parents must be in good shape or the kids can be kids. Kids are known to take over the function of parents if they think that there's something wrong up there. They can't be themselves. They have to worry uh, because the parents are their earth, moon, and sun. If there's something wrong with one of the parents, we know this, kids will start to parentify they'll start to take over they'll start to do things they shouldn't do they will t- they will want to make the parents happy again um, uh, so they can be happy and that's not really fair uh, that's not really fair uh, it's not the kid's job to take care of the parents or worry about the parents marriage the parents are supposed to take kid good care of each other put their oxygen masks on first because if they go down the kids are not going to be okay 
If they go down, the kids are, that's the whole idea here. That's why the couple first, the couple has to take care of itself. It has to resources, resource itself. It has to demonstrate as in good theater, what it means to be in partnership, what it means to share, admit your wrongs, humility, what it is to work through conflict and come out uh, again intact. That's the job of this uh, hierarchy to show, not tell, how to do relationships in this community. That's why we're putting it there. It's not about uh, the parents go jetting off, you know, to, uh, you know, just to, to some beach resort while the kids uh, stay home and given a bowl of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's not this at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also it's not where the kids become the center focus and the couple falls apart. Yes, that would be the other side of this. That is the other side. Yeah. There's no couple anymore. Right. Right. So do you find that couples are receptive to this idea that you really need to, I'm imagining, you know, a a bedraggled couple coming into your office saying, you know, everything is just topsy-turvy. We're not getting along. We have no sex life. Everything's a mess since we had this baby. Um, And are they receptive to the idea that you're describing here of taking care of each other so you can optimally take care of the children, not in place of taking care of the children or something, I would say I would say almost across the board, people see this as as reasonable and it makes sense. And uh, it's logical, rational. Uh, There's nothing to disagree with. The problem isn't that the problem is putting it into action. Yes. Um, You know, people can understand this idea of fairness and justice, shared power and authority, of being fully transparent with each other, of putting the relationship first. That that I think uh, people can start to grasp if it's explained properly. Putting it into action is a whole other thing, because under stress, we always revert to our interests only. And anytime in a union, we revert to our interests only we appear unfriendly to the other and we create an adversarial situation that will soon degrade into fighting. Mm -hmm. And that's an orientation problem. So how do we orient people uh, to think in terms of like the military does, the person to your left and right are more important than you, they're gonna save your life. You're not as important. Therefore, uh, therefore, your courage, your safety, all of this really uh, 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 revolves around the protection of the people around you as they protect you. This is interdependence. This is interdependence, right? Our lives depend on each other. It's no joke. It's not a luxury. This is this is life-saving. Yes. Um, and how do you get it across to people to orient themselves as if they're in a, a three-legged race, a potato sack race, that in order to go anywhere, they have to work together at all times. They have to move at the same pace. They have to agree on where they're moving or they don't go anywhere. They have mm-hmm. to intuit each other properly. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a level of collaboration and cooperation that comes from an idea. The idea is that we're interdependent. We have the same things to lose, the same things to gain. If one of us goes down, we both go down. 
And this is a very hard thing in our society to, uh, to, uh, to get across because many of us, if not most of us, were raised in families that were more pro-self than pro-relationship. We're just doing what we know under stress. And what we know under stress is I, me, my, and I, um, and you, 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 right? Um, yes, my yes. interest first, and if it doesn't suit yours, sorry. When we feel good, we're better, but that's not the problem. It's when we're not feeling good. It's when there's a lot of stress or distress. That's when we revert to this one person system that is threatening to the other. Mm-hmm. So it's an orientation, Karen, that's, that is a, a real conundrum um, um, that has, you know, that's a, a teaching uh, part here um, and a doing part of workshopping with couples so that they begin to understand that it's a cultural revolution we're talking about in their minds, not a, not a, a technique or, uh, or a set of tools, right? It's a, a, a different way of thinking. I have to think of you as I think of me or I won't get anything. A paradigm shift. That's a paradigm shift. And, and I think there's some cultures that, that uh, are more cooperative uh, and, and um, more collaborative than ours that already get that and spilt in. It doesn't mean that it's perfectly that because we're human beings after all. Um, uh, we're easily threatened. And when we're threatened, we're not gracious. We're not forgiving. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, uh, we're not open to influence uh, when we're uh, under any kind of threat. Uh, and yet we're threatened so easily all the time by faces and voices and movements and gestures and words and phrases that remind us of something that hurt us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is just, a, a, this is a common occurrence that people need to understand and um, and if we do understand that that uh, we're in each other's care that I have to take care of you at the same time I take care of me we actually will get along mm-hmm. that's a hard form uh, formula to keep in mind when we're not feeling good it's mm-hmm. very hard because mm-hmm. we're stubborn, righteous, we want to be right we want to prove ourselves we want to defend our our honor right yes uh, yeah. Well, in keeping with that idea of taking care of each other, um, as we begin to wind down, there was something I read. It's actually on page 91 of this book that all of you need to buy, Baby Bomb. Um, it says, and when, when I read it, it's going to seem so obvious, but it's not. Confidence in parenting doesn't automatically arrive with baby. It comes from experience and support. The tricky part is that the baby can't say, you're doing a great job, mom. Thank you. Or I see you're trying to help me, dad. But let me give you a hint. I have diaper rash. That's why I am fussy. And I thought about this because a lot of the examples in the book are about your partner giving supportive words to you as a parent. And I thought that that is such an important point for us to talk about. You know, a lot of a a lot of this has been talking about, you know, the couple towards each other. But what about what about this part of the couple's parenting skills? Because we all come at this really insecure, feeling very inadequate. I remember coming home from the hospital with the baby and being like, oh my gosh, there was two of us. Now there's three of us. Oh my gosh, this is... (laughs) And it's in examples throughout the book of encouraging and supporting one in their parenting role. Could you speak to that a bit? 
Well, are we, are we talking about uh, about the parents being supportive of each other as good parents? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, look. Because I think sometimes we don't think about that. Like, you know, of course, you're you're taking care of the baby, obviously. But yes. you guys make it very overt in the book of words of affirmation about parenting towards the other. You and I are in the foxhole together. You and I are on a team together. You and I depend on each other in order to get somewhere and to and to do a good job. In order to do that, we we have to be responsible for each other's self-esteem. If I allow your self-esteem to plummet, our team loses. Uh, if I uh, if you look at me askance and I feel criticized and I feel like I'm, you know, for whatever reason that I'm a loser parent, guess what? I start backing away from my parent duties. It starts to affect my relationship with my child. Um, everything about me begins to underperform and you are going to pay uh, a price as, as well, right? It's self-harming to do that. So it's in both parents' best interest constantly to praise, admire, to uh, to appreciate each other, um, because no one else is going to do that. Your kids certainly aren't going to do that until at least thirty. Um, well, you're, you're lucky if they do it then, right? You're lucky if, you, if, you, if, you, if they do it then, uh, but but it's a thankless job. Um, and, and the only two people who are going to be clapping are the two of you, parents. Yes, that's so um, true. Because you're you're both really doing your best. Um, it's it's a trial and error, messy uh, job filled with errors, filled with insecurities and so on. The only two people who are going to be able to hold hands in this hell are the two of you. And you yes. better do it. You better do it because everyone's depending on the two of you being OK. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for this discussion about the book, Baby Bomb. I know it's on Amazon and probably everywhere that people get books. Um, when did, I know 2021. Do you, do you know the month it actually released? It's pretty new. I think, I think it came out in May. Yeah, it's pretty new. So I loved it. I mean, I think there's so much great practical ideas and practical information in the book. I really encourage listeners to get it. And um, thank you you again for being willing to chat about it. If people want to find me, by the way, they can just go to the PACTinstitute.com, P-A-C-T. If you want training uh, as a therapist or if you want uh, couples retreats, uh, we do that uh, also uh, worldwide throughout the year. Yes. And also they can also see a list there of your previous books and different audio resources and things like that. So, yeah. yep, that's where I've, I've been on the website recently, saw all the great stuff there. So thank you. I appreciate you mentioning that and bye bye for today. And it was great to have you back on the Attachment Theory and Action podcast. Maybe again, when that next book comes out, whatever that might be. <laughs> uh, it's, it's coming out next year. Really? What is it? Should we give a teaser? Uh, it's uh, uh, Relationship Rescue. I'm finishing it up right now. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all your wonderful contributions to the field and, and your support of, of couples and relationships. Bye-bye okay. for now. Uh, bye. 
Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.